0: This album is dedicated to all. Brothers and
1: sisters! My men and my women. And yo, it's time. Hip hop, hip hop. Because who I'm talking about, y'all. Is hip-hop. It's hip hop. Hip hop, hip hop, hip hop, hip
2: hop. The stories of hip hop, of rap music, are the stories of a million MCs who, inside of them, the words are coming. The words they need to make sense of the world around them. The words are witty and blunt. Abstract and linear, sober and fucked up. And when we decode that torrent of words, by which I mean really listen to them with our minds and our hearts open, we can understand their world better, and ours too. It's the same world. This is Rhymes and Reasons.
3: I'm Brother Ali. I'm from Minneapolis, Minnesota. I'm most well known uh, for being an MC, and I do other things as well, but happy to be known for that.
1: So, you're a philosopher?
2: Yes, 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 yes,
1: yes. I think very deeply. I think very deeply. I think very deeply. I think, I think, I think very
0: deeply. In about four seconds, a teacher will begin to speak. I think very deeply. Let us begin.
3: No, my philosophy is a great one. So I've been a fan of hip-hop since really early on. I was born in 77, and so around 82 or so, when I was seven years old, I really fell in love with hip-hop. Me and my brother lived on a block that was a, like a circle, or like a, I think they call it a cul-de-sac. And it was like all these like low-income duplexes. The kids that lived on at the end of the circle were just a couple years older than us. There was an older one and a younger one, just like me and my brother. And they're the ones that introduced us to hip-hop and to b-boying. Kind of like towards the later 80s, like 87, 88. That's when, you know, I was in middle school, so I was a full-grown man in my mind and was, like, ready to start figuring out not only how do I party and how do I dance and how do I, all that stuff, but how do I think and what kind of person do I want to be? And that's when KRS-One and Chuck D. and Rakim came out, and those are my, that's in terms of the people that influenced who I am as a person and also who I try to be as an artist. Those people, they had the greatest impact on me.
0: My posse from the Bronx is Bronx. we like to forget me but they can Cause like a champ I have got a record Of knocking out the frauds in a second On the oh my mic, my I believe that, that you should get loose I haven't come to tell you I got you
3: The songs that I picked to talk about are songs that changed and really like expanded my understanding of what could be done with a hip hop song. You know, Karis wanted somebody I already liked, but on that album and, and this song In particular, this is his manifesto about hip hop and what it means in the world. And the way that he's even noticing in 1987, the way that the music industry is starting to tamper with the art form. And they're affecting it because they're putting money behind certain things and not behind others. And so he has a critique of that in 1987. And he's just so, his voice is so clear and powerful. It's just very authoritative, but it's also very like fly. Like Chuck D was very authoritative and he sounds like a preacher. And that's really important when you need somebody on your side. But KRS is like, and you know, he calls himself the teacher and that's that's what he is in a lot of ways. So in this song, he says, you know, some MCs be talking and talking, trying to show how black people are walking, but I don't walk this way to portray. Or re- reinforce stereotypes of today. Like all oh, my people eat chicken and watermelon, speak broken English and drug selling. I'm telling, teaching real facts. The way some act in rap is kind of whack and it lacks creativity and intelligence. But they don't care because their company's selling it. You know what I mean? Their company's
0: selling it. It's my philosophy. On the industry. Don't bother dissing me or even wishing we soften.
3: Like, it's so fly, there's so much like youthful kind of energy to it, but he really is letting everybody know in that moment, this is the power of hip-hop, this is is intrinsic in hip-hop music because it's a black art form. But these companies are, are, they're starting to mess with it, and they're changing it because they put money behind artists that aren't saying anything, they like that. And it's interesting because he also started out making music that was more street not more not that it became less street but it was more violent like it was like what some of people might then used to call gangster rap and he got more conscious and more relevant and more he started saying more like his messages expanded so he's basically saying these companies like to sell stupid music as he's making the transition into making more conscious, more profound, more political, more socially aware music. But he's also saying that, like, this isn't this isn't what the companies like to support. This isn't their favorite thing to put their money behind. So it's a major statement for him to be doing that in that so moment. Why?
0: Well, it's simple. To them, it's kind of vital, vital. to take KRS To them, like an idol. Some type of entity. And everybody's To get beat down, broken down, down to his very last, last compound. Pound. See how it sound? A little unrational. A lot of MCs like to use the word "dramatical." Fresh for '88, you suckers. 88. suckers, suckers, <laughs> suckers, suckers,
3: suckers, <laughs> suckers. So KRS-One is a self educ self-taught, obviously highly intellectual, really just really bright person. But he's also six foot five, homeless in the Bronx when he made that first re- he was homeless when he made that album the first album then he started to express those things a little bit more on the second album and it's interesting because i've made some music that people call political and on my first album you know me and my first wife and our baby son were living in this like apartment building in north minneapolis which was like transitional housing so like we're sh- just trying to eat and there's like People who are either coming out of jail or coming out of homeless shelters or coming out of rehab and like coming out of like battered women's, you know, situations. So, like, it's volatile. It's, it's like two buildings next door to each other that are like that. So, 12 apartment units that are, it's different people every month. You know, there's people selling drugs, there's like guns going off, like all this crazy stuff. And so, on my first album, like, I kind of hinted at some things, but it wasn't until. I was able to like sit down and actually write an album and focus where I wasn't so worried about living just survival that I was able to start some of my political and social views and stuff could come out. So my feeling as somebody who just loves them is that that was always in KRS, but he was in survival mode and Scott Rock. As a social worker, so I mean, he literally is like, it gets no more woke than being a social worker. He really was a mentor to KRS, and he must be thinking, like, this guy's really bright. He's really talented. If we can get him making records and let's focus his energy in something positive, and and he's an amazing rapper, then they have a career. the records start doing well. You know, they're on tour. KRS has a place to live. Now he can start doing all of that stuff. One, two, three.
0: The crew is called BDP. And if you want to go to... The tip-top, stop the violence in hip-hop, why-o? Time and time again as I pick up the pen, as my thoughts emerge, these are those words. I glance at the paper to know what's going on.
3: If you think of that album, it's called By Any Means Necessary. That's a quote from Malcolm X. And the photo that was often used of Malcolm X was the one where he's holding a rifle and looking out the window. And a lot of people associate Malcolm, that you know—that King was nonviolent and Malcolm was violent. And Malcolm was never violent. And Malcolm never advocated violence. And Malcolm never told anybody to hurt anybody. He just said, we have the right to defend ourselves. And white America, who has official you know, officers of the state killing us and then also has unofficial officers, which would be the Ku Klux Klan and people like that. They're killing us too. But Malcolm basically said, You can't tell us not to be not to defend ourselves because you're violent everywhere you go. Everywhere America goes, she's violent. And he did say that black people should defend themselves. And it really is is fitting that that picture that they use is after his house was firebombed. So KRS names his album by name is necessary, and he has a pistol or like a 45, and he's looking out the window. And he always ha- kind of had this idea. He used to say, if negativity comes with a 22, positivity comes with a 45. So he always kind of had this idea of like armed resistance. That was his worldview, and and yeah, and I think a lot of it does come from the fact that he's just a big dude. You know what I mean? And can like clearly knock anybody out. You know, genuine, authentic, original hip-hop, no matter how conscious, quote unquote, somebody else wants to call it, it's always very connected to the street. I think a lot of fans that don't come from that culture, they don't realize that. That relates to KRS because in order to even get your hand on the mic, you had to have power. You had to either have enough people around you that believed in you to the point where they protect you and defend you and help you assert what you're doing, or you had to be able to defend yourself
0: come to chill out, not watch someone's blood just spill out. That's what these other people want to see. Another race fight endlessly. You know it being watched. You know it being seen. Some wish to destroy this scene called hip hop. But I won't drop. Not I or Scott LaRock. Well, here is the message that we bring today. Hip hop will surely decay if we as a people don't stand up and say, stop the violence.
3: This song is from the from their second album. Then the one that came after that is called Ghetto Music: The Blueprint of Hip Hop. The one that came out after that is called Edutainment, Education Through Edutainment, and there's a lecture series where you hear KRS giving lectures. I was at one of those lectures when I was like 13. I, I, he put out a book that went along with this movement that they had called the Stop the Violence Movement. He put out a book and he did this lecture tour at Michigan State University. And I brought the book up to the microphone in the question and answer section. And he brought me on stage. But during the lecture, he was talking about everything from Plato to the origins of the Bible and like kept coming back to Malcolm X. So when I was up there, he was just asking me questions. Yes. Okay. Where are you from? And da, da, da. And then he says in front, in front of the audience, you, you should read the autobiography of Malcolm X. And so I read that. It took me a minute, but that's the first like book that I ever read. And from that book, it, that's how I decided to become a Muslim. And that's what announced to me that I was a Muslim. It's a quick book to read, but it's very, very intense and it's beautiful. When, he's, when he goes to Mecca and he describes his relationships and the, the experiences he has with uh, people from the European diaspora, that he in America was like, these people are devils. They can't be reformed. They don't have a conscience, not as a group. But Malcolm had these experiences with Muslims and he realized that this is a universal system of spirituality that allows people to practice their own culture in a way that makes them the realest version of themselves and makes them appreciate and love other people and other cultures. It really is a religion that synthesizes cultures, you know, where Chinese Islam is very authentically Muslim and it's very Chinese. West African Islam is very West African and it's very Islamic. And those two people can coexist together and work together. There's certain things that they just have in common because of those beliefs. It's not like any other religion on earth in that way. And so Malcolm says, basically, if white people in America would study Islam, it would re- it would return them to their humanity. It would recalibrate their humanity and they could be reformed and they'll be beautiful and they'll be human again. And I know a lot of European American people that became Muslim because of that book. Now,
0: what's this all about? Christian humanity. In my face, you're happy, you on vinyl, you're mad at me. Yo, pro-blackness is your solution. But I don't really know about the style you use. After a while, you got blabbering fucking fools. That's worse than always talking about sex. Best build. build it ain't enough to study clowns. Thirteen X. The white man ain't the devil. I promise. You wanna see the devil? Take
3: Basically, he's talking about the familial ties between people of color around the world. You know, the world w- was at one time, up until very, very recently, up until only like 500 years ago, the world was a collection of villages and tr- of tribes and of different peoples that, you know, lived in micro societies. And those groups had their own languages and their own religions and they had their own cultures and their own norms and their own, all this kind of stuff. And the, the modern idea of race basically is defined by the idea of whiteness. You know, it basically divides the world into white and non-white. You know, so the idea that, you know, that there's like a diaspora of non-white people and that all non-white people are part of the same family and experience. Karras wasn't anti-white at all, but he basically was uh, really embracing the idea of a diasporic connection between all col- all people of color in the world. So him saying, I'm brown, that's a really powerful statement for him to be making. And he's rejecting the label of black. He had a disagreement with X-Clan and Brother J. And Brother J and X-Clan were 5%ers and they're very pro-black. And KRS basically said Africa, he says, Africa is the whole of humanity, which makes the African a humanist. Challenge me. You know, he is a humanist. He would always say that he's a humanist and he's for the human family. So he has this like philosophical debate with another rapper on record, though, but he was basically saying that all people come from Africa, and there's every shade of people in Africa, literally. And so to own being an African means to be the archetypical human being. ready right,
4: yeah. yeah. mm-hmm. yeah. to talk, talk about the, the ghetto the ghetto. The ghetto.
3: The Ghetto by Eric B. and Rakim, and again, this is these are songs that I chose because they they open and expand the possibilities of what
1: one can do in a hip hop song. Earth it was my place of birth, born to be the sole controller of the universe. Besides the part of the map, I hit first any environment I can adapt. When it gets rough, the rough gets stronger. The going gets rough. When I start flowin' the mic, mic bust The next day to shake from the power I generate People in Cali used to think it was earthquakes Cause times was hard on the boulevard So I God and never get scarred a am but it seems like I'm locked in hell looking over the edge but the R never fell A trip to slip cause my Knights has got gripped Stand on my own two
3: feet So the, middle, the middle verse, or the second verse of the, of, of the ghetto, Rakim says I learned to relax in my room and escape from New York and travel the world as a thought, thinking how hard it was to be born. Me being cream with no physical form. He's saying, okay, I'm stuck in his ghetto. I'm in New York and it's crazy. Like he's doing transcendental meditation basically
1: and describing it. So let me start from my conception. I learned to relax in my room and escape from New York and return through the wound of the world as a thought. Thinking how hard it was to be born queen with no physical form. Me is a cell with one destination. To reach the best part, of life's creation. Nine months later, a job well done. Make way, cause here I come. Since I made it this far, I can't stop now. There's a will and the way, and I got the know-how to be all, I can be and more. And see all there is to see before. I'm called to go back to the essence. It's a lot to learn, so I study my lessons. I thought the I thought the ghetto was the worst that could happen to me. I'm glad I listened when my father
3: was rapping to me, because back in the days they lived in caves, exiled from the original man and strayed away. Now, that's what I call hard times. I'd rather be here to exercise the mind. He basically is saying, okay, white people, European people, are enslaving us now. But that's a new phenomenon. There was a time when black people ruled the earth, with Africa was the standard of culture. European people were still trying to figure out how to live and how to be civilized. And this is a fact. Just to be clear, like, people always have this debate, like, is Brother Ali black? Is Brother, I'm European American and I'm Albano. I'm literally the whitest person on earth. So, like, I'm not saying these is, like, anti-white anything. You know, so he's saying, there, it wasn't always like this. We don't have it bad in this project. Those people living in caves, they had it bad. Um, now, that's what I call hard times i'd rather be here to, to exercise the mind so then he starts traveling around the world in his thinking like in his mind's eye and he goes to africa he goes to mecca and medina he does all of that and he says understand your third eye seen all of that it ain't where you're from it's where you're at so like you know, this idea that like, yes, my body is in this ghetto. Yes, I'm existing in this reality now of oppression, but this isn't always who my people were. These people may have control over certain parts of what my body experiences, but I'm bigger than this body. And I existed before
1: Nobody's this.
4: Smiling.
1: No more props, I want property and every peril. Nobody stopping me because the federal bombs I make give me real estate for me to own. But I bless a microphone. 007 is back and relaxing. On point, reacting and ready for action. I'm so low key that you might not see me. Incognito and taking it easy. Why I just kept on hustling. When he talks about crowd,
3: actually, I you know, loud loud literally loud being in the ghetto and talking about going to different parts and playing CeeLo, and, you know, he says people in Cali used to think it was earthquakes. <laughs> I tripped and slipped and my nights got ripped. Stand on my own two feet and come equip any stage I'm seen on. A mic I fiend on. I stand alone and need knee, nothing to lean on. So like, just ill. But then uh, one of the craziest lines on there to me, he says, when I had sex, I left my name on next. Like women are like tattooing Rakim's name on on their body. You know what I mean? You know, and, and, and that's that's part of what makes like the human experience what it is, and it's definitely part of what makes hip-hop what it is, is like people's ability to like, in their minds, I transcend and travel through time and through creation of their, their, you know, conception of their being and stuff. And then also talk about how good they are at having sex with people and that they win the dice game and that what ties it all together is the, the poetry of it, the mood of it, and just the idea that like, you're talking to a person of royalty. Like he calls himself the God. Like I toured with Rakim for a year and he carries himself like that. Like he really is, sees himself as a religious and royal figure. And so when he meets people that appreciate that or recognize it in any kind of way, you are important to him. And he relates to you in that way. And then, yeah, man, he's just, he's so incredible. And, t- and he's just so fly too, like he's just so cool. I think, I think my philosophy was more about like standing up and speaking your truth and like really putting your finger on the, the present moment. And I, I think what made me love that song was hit was KRS-One's ability to perfectly capture and define what was going on with hip hop as a cultural phenomenon. And then, you know, with Rakim, it's just pure mastery. It's just pure mastery of that art. There's nobody that can that can really put words together and thoughts together and ideas together and have it so perfect. Like it's just utter perfection of the craft. And then also there's always a subcontext that when when the world is saying you're not smart, you're not valuable, you're not important, you don't have much to offer other than your brute strength, you don't have good character, it's just undeniable evidence that white supremacy is a lie or that anti black racism is a lie you know what i mean there's no way you can hear there's no way you can witness that even the recording of it and not know that like uh this is a genius first of all you know this person is a really sensitive deep thinker so you know they they're part of the same legacy but they're different in the sense that Karis, One's thing is a manifesto Rakim's thing is proof of that manifesto
4: Got your head right Too many people shed blood for us Not to shed light We hot, we dead tight We drop, we dead lights We run these streets Like cops through red lights We shine so bright We blind them like We high beams in the rear view Weaving through the traffic Just to see you Man's truth living is hooks. Lot of time you hear this When your position is took My brother's in the plight Who ain't got your head right Too many people shed blood for us Not to shed light We hot, we dead tight We drop, we dead lights We run these streets Like cops lights. Faith is
3: something that operates on a lot of different levels. You know, faith is something that happens. On the limbs it's something that happens in the mind and it's something that happens in the heart so on the limbs you know outwardly in terms of practice the challenge is can you be a person that gets on stage and gets a lot of attention from women and not be uh you know tempted to to act in ways that we feel are below the dignity of a human being you know islam is really really based on the idea that human beings are very complex but the secret most important element of a human being is that they're very valuable a human being is very precious and is to be dignified and when a human being is balanced the right way we're the representatives of god on earth and that we should respect all human beings have a certain level of respect that they're entitled to just based on that so you know muslims aren't anti-sex by any stretch of the imagination but it has to be in the right context you know, so when it's dignified, it's very much encouraged. But, you know, people just having random hookups or whatever is really considered a violation of the inherent dignity of a human being. The way that that the creator made us to procreating, and sustain and continue life like a fat albino would not have a whole lot of <laughs> a whole lot of. uh you know, I, I wouldn't have a lot of uh, temptation if I didn't get on stage, you know, but just being on stage and especially being good at what you do on stage and making people feel good and having power on stage, that gets you a lot of attention. And so that's something to navigate. And then, you know, and you're around, around a lot of alcohol and intoxicants and stuff like that. And it's a very similar thing. The mind of a human being is, is precious and so to alter it in those kind of ways is beneath the dignity of human beings. And we didn't create ourselves, so we don't get to decide how much dignity we do or don't have. This is what Muslims believe. So, you know, the creator made us, and the creator says, you're extremely valuable, and you're the you're the representative of God on earth.
5: Uh, I'm so incredibly nasty. Yes, my mama slapped me when she had me. Told me, get your ass out with your daddy. Talk hella trash and my teachers couldn't stand me. Used to call me past and told me I was trashy. Unsupervised child, they call me a latchkey. At-risk youth from a single-parent family. Nuts got hairy and my voice got raspy. Whos were getting acne, I was getting savvy. Yes, I'm a bad motherfucker. Understand me? Who be in broken glass, rapping in the alley.
3: you have the mind dirty, and the heart. The mind, basically me touring, it took me away from the Muslim community for like 10 years of my life. And so my whole cognitive frame is basically around other people who are on tour, who are intelligent people, but they came from a way of thinking that was basically atheist. Being around them and processing the world with them and not being around the Muslims. There were times where I I, I lost uh, focus and man, the, the ego is the enemy, man. The ego is the illest con man on earth. So the ego can work upward and it can work downward. Kanye West's ego works upward, and so he has these things that like we all recognize as ego. But the ego also works in other ways. And like I really have struggled with my ego of being like, people think I'm a good person. Like people think that I'm good, and like I really get off on that. And that's a a lack of sincerity as well. And so people will be like, you're so humble. And there'll be times where I'll be like, I'm being very humble right now, which is the, the least humble thing that you can do. It's actually more dangerous than just outwardly saying, I'm the greatest ever, because that everybody can recognize it, know that that's ego. But when, but when I'm feeling like, you know, I really enjoy feeling like a, like I'm a good person, and like I'm so humble, and like I'm so spiritual, and and being on stage, and people tell you that stuff, and people re- relate and re- relate to me like that. That is the big challenge. But it's like, okay, is that because of hip hop? Because if I was a, if I was a sheikh, if I was a religious teacher, if I was an imam, I think it would be worse. So there's times where I feel like the heart is really at risk. My heart is at risk. A lot of the time, my heart is at risk. And that's the part that that really worries me the most. Atmosphere, Woman with the Tattooed Hands, this song, this song changed my understanding of music and what could be done inside of rap music and I think it was so impactful because you know Atmosphere are my friends, they're my big brothers, you know when I first met them and if you listen to early Atmosphere, Slug is really influenced by hieroglyphics and he's really influenced by um you know certain other people but You listen to the way he's rhyming. He's doing these all these ill rhyme styles, and like he's just an ill MC. You know, he's a classic ill MC on the mic. His punchlines may be a little different type of clever, but he's styling on you, and it's like it's more traditional classic MC. And at some point, the door just kind of flung open for him, and he started seeing the songs he was writing as a songwriter in the tradition of. Bob Dylan and Bill Withers and Carol King and songwriting
2: slowly stood up climbed off her hands and showed me why she never took some time with a man. They climbed deep inside of this woman's garden. She closed her eyes and she gently bit her bottom lip. I stepped, I left, and I don't regret leaving. And I'll never forget all the things I saw that evening. A glimpse of religion, a piece of coming closer to understanding more about what intrigues me most. I didn't get turned
3: on. This is, is a story from, he was on a plane with a Somali woman who had henna on her hands. And, you know, they like that's something that Somali people are really beautiful with that. It's kind of like a temporary tattoo, and it's very, very intricate. And it might cover someone's whole hands and maybe even their chest. And some people may have it all the way up their arms. So he's sitting next to the Somali woman on the plane, and he may have had a little something to smoke or something. And his artist mind just crafted this whole story about what if those tattoos stood up and started talking and then... There's this super kind of bugged out weird moment where the tattoos are making love to the woman and then he kind of ties that in to the whole narrative of like women as these like really sensitive kind of like spiritual and emotional creatures and their experience in this in the world <laughs> you know what i'm
2: saying each individual fight identifies needs and feeds I desire as long as we keep our spirit inspired she can fight her bottom yeah. lip yeah. she wants. there's yeah. good and evil in each individual
3: there's never been a hip-hop song anything like that now there's a bunch of them but that particular song And a lot of them on that Lucy Ford project that that's that's on. So many people, their foundation is from that. The way he wrote the song, what he's talking about, and then singing the chorus, even the song structure is like you got a long verse and then a singing chorus that goes on. It almost feels like it goes on a little bit too long. And from the day he recorded that song until this day, you know, that song probably came out 15 years ago. To this day, the second that those opening lines start to play Then at a show the crowd goes nuts I mean 16 year old kids are going nuts for this super underground song they made it in a basement like I was there when they made it or maybe I wasn't there when they made it maybe I heard it immediately after but the second that song was made it was like part of us like it's like that song changed everything but-
2: Join the main event and fight against nothing
3: in history take a cane of paint slug is in my top five slug is in my top five and the reason that slug isn't really understood or like the reason why people don't really fully grasp the caliber of MC he is is because when he came out there was like a big divide in hip-hop at that time kind of two splits at once so like you know there was puffy And all the stuff that they were doing in the mid to late 90s and then there became two underground movements one of them was very black and that you know that was the raucous movement and that was you know all of that kind of stuff and then one was white and atmosphere are the leaders of the white ones of the white movement even though they're not white i mean they're black white and native but they appear white so they're white you know but I think that that movement of rappers weren't considered to really be legitimate, genuine hip hop artists. And so they just, you know, they're not kind of even in the discussion or on the radar when you're talking about rappers. It's almost kind of like the reason why people wouldn't necessarily talk about like Modest Yahoo or something like that. Like they don't even consider it hip hop, which is ridiculous. And if that music came out now, it would be no question. Like everybody would be talking about atmosphere and everybody would be talking about Slug as like, you know, one of the great MCs ever. We do it,
2: put the candle in the sky. Here's the tough scows out to those that can't handle they high. You and I, we can swim into the tide and watch these other children lose their mind. They go by. And they landed safe and sound. Better try to take them out before they make you save this So fix the beef, quit acting like a sheep. Be the spit you speak, but sit there and grit you. Just spread the info to the kinfolk. Stucking with the climate on the inside of the windows. They're here, the baby farmer, Gonna take it farther Make a mark and break apart your fake martyrs Plains it firm, let the planet burn Understand the terms You don't wanna open up the can of
3: worms His body of work He's released, I don't know if there's an MC that's released more music than him I think him and E-40 may be like neck and neck or something like that He's released an enormous amount of music Also, the amount of times that they've entirely changed their sound The variety of topics that he's covered The different rhyme styles that he's done you know, the amount of influence that he's had on, I mean, Kendrick Lamar, clearly Macklemore. And then, and not only the music, but also the touring and the approach to business. He's one of the most influential MCs of all time. And for some reason, he's just not even considered in the in the conversation. There will be a time in the future where people won't think about it the way that they do now. And Slug will easily be in the top 10, but I think that he should definitely be in the top five. I'm albino, and um, I, you know, I'm living in little towns and then moving a lot. So, you know, in little towns, people don't know what an albino is, except for black people. Black people know exactly what an albino is, and there are different theories as to why that is. But you know, so I was always a new kid, and so I was constantly having to deal with the fact that I look really different, and people were, you know, really dismissive of me, or sometimes outright cruel to me. So. Basically, the blueprint and the narrative that uh, Black Americans laid out gave me the understanding for how to exist and how to understand myself and how to navigate the world. And that happened from elders first, and then from peers, and from lovers, and friends, and even my enemies. You know, basically, until I started working in underground rap, everybody important in my life was Black from the time I was six or seven years old until. You know, I was whatever 20 when I started. You know, started like working in the white underground hip hop scene. So I think hip hop. You know, a lot of people of European descent, white people, however you want to describe. A lot of people listen to rap and they hear something beautiful. A lot of them listen to rap and they're just like, oh, cool, whatever. And you know what I'm saying? It's like I like tacos and rap and don't really connect either one of them to a culture and an ancient wisdom tradition and whatever. But there are people who are like you know, listen to rap or listen to Richard Pryor or read James Baldwin or whatever. And then they're like, oh, these people, I wanna know more about these people. My experience was the opposite. My experience was like being basically in the community or close to the community and then the music coming out of the community. You know, I say I'm not black, but my community is. So being part of that community But seeing it through the eyes of somebody who kind of like joined it in a way, I think I was able to appreciate it in a certain way because I didn't always know it. I knew it from maybe seven years old, but prior to that, I didn't know it. There's a day where I realized like, oh, black grandmothers talk like this. And this is how they teach you to eat. And this is how they kiss your head. At some point in my life, I like saw these things and I'm like, man, this is how you be human. This is being a human being. And so when the music, when I started hearing the music, I was like, man, finally the world gets to hear what I'm witnessing up close and like what I'm experiencing. And it's always meant that to me. And so it was an interesting thing early on when the community that I had access to, to like make music and release it and tour and have listeners kind of already tuned, plugged in was the white underground hip hop scene.
5: One behind the neckstone It's inspection time, let me check your design Your pedigree don't hold up next to mine I'm a thoroughbred, of the most excellent kind One behind the next in line It's inspection time, let me check your design Your pedigree don't hold up next to mine I'm a thoroughbred, of the most excellent kind and who's a textbook definition of of, the I had to figure
3: out what that meant for me when I started making music up, I thought well okay I'm gonna be out there opening for the roots and I'm gonna be I'll definitely be on tour with like Common and Music Soul Child, and like because that's what I was listening to it turned out that every now and then I visit that world but that's not where I've been able to live I live in a world where I open for atmosphere and Sometimes I'll share the bill with Sage Francis. And I was funny about it at first because I felt like these people don't respect me, the artists and the fans. I, I felt really defensive in that space. I felt like they all were smarter than me or thought they were smarter than me. I was funny with Sage Francis. I was funny with a lot of these people. And now I'm like, man, I'm really appreciative and proud of these guys like the fact that Aesop Rock is like putting out more music than he ever has in his career and it's dope and the fact that atmosphere is still growing and the fact that Run The Jewels is this like amazing enigma and then seeing like oh man Sage Francis is on tour and he's he's back selling out shows again and Merce you know watching Merce what Merce does watching what Blueprint does now I have a lot of like Pride and, and like really good feelings about that.
5: I think very deeply, I aspire to be free. Read through these potentials of mine. I'm exquisite and only getting better with time and not getting my prime. I age like one and got a good goddamn head at the end of my spine. Plus to live outside of those confines. Meaning my expression is yet to be defined. Y'all are never tried putting ribbons in the sky. You would hit your head on the rooty boot box, you live inside. What you gon' do? The well runs dry. Human beings images just get old so when we get old you're gonna be out in the cold, and I'm gonna still keep chasing what I'm old
3: people will never be effective in any kind of way if they're approaching justice work with the mindset that they're liberating someone else that this is charity work that I do for other people because of how good I am and how nice I am. Justice work has to be approached from the very real understanding that I'm not free and I have sanctioned the powers that be to not respect humanity and to not respect human rights because cops can just kill black people whenever, you know, somebody can send their kids to school and nobody in the school shares their outcomes or their background. It's one thing for a teacher to be really nice, and there's really great white teachers. But the reality is that like, a white teacher might not always understand that they share outcomes with black students. So they're teaching somebody else's children. They're not teaching their children. And so you know, when somebody has a deeper understanding, they start to realize that I'm not free. I'm doing this for myself as much as I'm doing it for anybody else. So how does that happen? That gets to the second thing, which I think is the ultimate enormous question, which is identity whiteness ultimately is it's a fallacious identity it's a made up false identity whiteness didn't exist before a few hundred years ago being white is just a superiority complex that's that's what it is and the, the thing is that most people in this society are trained from before they get a chance to make a decision about who they want to be that you're white and white automatically means that you're normal white be, means that you're you're more beautiful you're more moral You're more logical, you're more intelligent, you're more adept at everything except for maybe sports or sex or like, you know, something that we consider low. This causes a major psychological issue in white people that are of good conscience and have living hearts and they're living, loving, sensitive people and say, oh, whiteness is a lie and whiteness is wrong. The idea of it is wrong. Okay. So what, what does that make me then? Well, that just makes me this guilty, paralyzed person. Because how do I go back to being a human being? Where's the the model for that? But You could say, well, okay, well, who was I before I was white? What Malcolm said, and I believe this to be true, is that Islam offers a pattern of human conduct and a way of being. An archetypical pattern for what a human being is that's based on universal concepts, that's based on universal truths. One of the stories that's not being covered is how many white Americans are converting to Islam every day. It used to be that African-Americans and still it still is a lot of African-Americans that convert to Islam. For the reason of trying to reconnect with, with an original, pre-modern conception of what a human being is, that's also very comfortable in the modern world, that's also adaptable to any place. This is something that like the, the global monoculture has destroyed. And this is something that like people who didn't have iPods had that. They knew how to be a human being. So there's got to be some sort of connection to some kind of tradition. Because we know it. We know it before we were taught how to be white. We were human before we were white. It's just that we became white before we knew ourselves.
5: Somebody. Yeah, yeah, and I am a somebody, somebody day we am, and she am, the he am. I was raised with the raised fist the Davis, summer 68 Olympics, train banging your wings against the cage in the events you became cage I, I
3: really think hip hop speaks for existence. itself. I really think it speaks for itself. I think that it just, it really is up to the heart of the person who's listening to it and how alive that heart is and how open that heart is. It's black genius and it's undeniable. You can't have a low opinion of black people as a group of people and then hear most deaf or hear John Coltrane but there are people whose hearts are just damaged like this world damages people hearts and when hearts get open in this culture hearts get hurt badly and so hearts learn how to not open up too much but I think that hip-hop one of the beautiful things about hip-hop is that it, it uh, it's proof Against all of the lies that, that we're told in the society. You know, there's a lot of negativity that you can get from hip hop too. But um I think ultimately its ability to bring people together based on the the, the expression of the soul is where it matters.
5: So here we go, salute my name safe. Many are successful, very few are great. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, right on y'all.